Hey, welcome to the Kingdom Church Podcast. We're so glad you could join us. You're listening to part one of our brand new series, Total Truth. So whatever you're doing, wherever you are, sit back, relax. Here it is. We're in Luke chapter eight today. Just a little context. Jesus has just cast out not one demon, but many demons from someone. And he has sent them into a herd of pigs. Kind of a crazy story, but that's where we pick it up. Luke chapter 8, verse 34, it says, Then those tending the pigs saw what had happened, and they ran off and reported this in the town and countryside. And the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone, sitting at the feet of Jesus, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people how the demon-possessed man had been cured. Then all the people of the region of Gerasens asked Jesus to leave because they were overcome with fear. So he got into the boat and left. I want to call our message today, When Crazy is the New Normal. When Crazy is the New Normal. Come on, you guys can take a seat today. Yeah, can we give it up for the worship team one more time? Thank you so much for leading us. Amazing, amazing. When crazy is the new normal. Hey, just want to say Happy New Year. So glad that you guys could be here today. Just honored, excited that I get to share uh, for the first time in 2023. Uh, So we are uh, beginning today a brand new series And we preach here at church in series. A series is just a collection of talks and messages. And so for the next four weeks, we are going to be in a series called Total Truth. Total Truth. And I'm just, I'm super excited for this. Um, For me, a lot of preaching, especially when I do series and whatnot, is usually inspired by something. And and this series is inspired by a book that I read two years ago uh, called Total Truth. And it's by a, a lady named Nancy Piercy. And I'm, I'm really going to use some of her stuff in this series, not all of it. So I would just encourage you, uh, if you have not read the book Total Truth, it's a really great book. We've had a group here at church that has studied it for the last year, uh, and I think maybe again in the new year. So we'll see how it goes. Uh, but nevertheless, this series is called Total Truth, and I'm just excited for this series. I'm excited for today. Uh, this passage of scripture, I read this probably about 10 years ago, and I've wanted to preach on it ever since, and I've never preached from it. So today I'm excited because I get to preach from it, and I'm just excited for this whole series. So really, uh, this book, uh, sorry, this series, I should say, Total Truth, just what I want to do in this series, two things. Number one, uh, if you've never experienced Jesus, I want you to experience Jesus. That's really our hope in every series, everything that we do. We want you to experience Jesus. That is first and foremost. But kind of this idea in this series, what I want us to do is I want us to begin to develop and build what we're going to call um, a Christian or biblical world view. That's kind of what I want us to do in this series. Because maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But for a lot of people, even people that have been in church for a long, long time, many of us, our lives would be split into two spheres. We would have like our church life, which for some of us might just be Sunday morning. Maybe I got a couple church friends. Maybe I'm in a small group, but I got like, I got my church slash Jesus stuff over here. 
And then I have everything else. I have work, I have school, I have politics, I have the way I think, the way I view the world. I have everything over here. And kind of what I want us to do in this series is I want us to understand that if we follow Jesus, our lives are not to be compartmentalized. They are not to be split. Because if I follow Jesus, I don't just have a perspective on like salvation or baptism, or the Holy Spirit. If I follow Jesus, I actually have a way to view not some things, but literally everything. And so what I want us to do in this series is I want us to begin to see the fact that when you follow Jesus, everything changes. And so that's kind of my hope in this series. Another thing I want us to do is I want us to really dive into this idea of what is truth. What is true? Now, uh, for those of you guys here today, maybe you think this way, maybe not, but for a lot of people in our culture today, there's kind of this idea that there is no such thing as truth. Truth is all relative. And what that means is what is true for you might not necessarily be true for me. Some of you guys might have said this, I have my truth and you have your truth. You guys ever hear someone say, I'm just living my truth. Now, linguistically speaking, the idea of your truth, my truth, that truth, this truth, it doesn't even make sense. Because truth, by definition, is exclusive. Meaning if it's true, it's true. And if two contrary things would both be labeled true, either none of them is true or perhaps there's no such thing as truth. Now, what I want us to do in this series, other than dismantle that saying linguistically, I want you to understand that when you follow Jesus, you do not have the option to live a truth, your truth, that truth, and you certainly don't have the option to say that I don't believe in truth. Why? John chapter 14, Jesus says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And so Jesus gives us a pretty simple yet distinct answer for truth. He says, I am truth. And as I said, his truth affects literally everything, not just parts of my life, my whole life. And so uh, I kind of want to just really, I'm teeing this series up, but I just want to encourage you, if you have someone in your life Uh, Maybe they were in church for a while, they left, maybe they're questioning Christianity, or maybe they're like an atheist, a skeptic, whatever it is. I want to encourage you, for this series, invite them. And like, listen, invite them every week. Come on, somebody. But like, I really think this series has the power to change things. And so I don't normally do this, and I'm usually not this organized. And we'll see if these titles stick anyways. But I want to give you guys a whole overview of the series just so you know uh, what's happening. So week one, which is today, we're talking about when crazy is the new normal. I'll explain that in a second. Next week, I want to talk about the truth that sets free. That's next week. And this is really how to actually think like a Christian. And more than that, how to make sense of the whole world. Maybe you've looked at the world before and you're like, man, the world is really confusing. I don't get it. What's going on? Wrong. world is simple. It makes perfect sense. The Bible actually really, really makes it make sense. But you got to be here next week because I'm going to explain that. That's called the truth that sets free. Week three is called the truth that hurts. So in this message, I'm going to talk about a simple idea that's this. We would rather believe a lie that makes us feel good than the truth that doesn't make us feel good. 
That's week three. Gosh, you got to be there for that. Week four, how Christianity changed the world. I'm going to show you how your atheist friend is more Christian than they know. So be here. It's going to be amazing. You guys excited for this? You don't even have to be. I'm excited. Uh, And one of the things in in kind of New Year's in the past, I've done sort of apologetics things before. Like you guys probably don't remember, but like four years ago, I did the problem of God. Uh, I did a few years ago asking for a friend. Um, This series isn't so much apologetics because I'm not defending Christianity as much as I want to just release it. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. I love it. He says, the gospel is like a caged lion. It does not need to be defended. It simply needs to be let out of its cage. Come off, somebody. And so listen, if you're sitting here and you're like, man, like I'm a Christian like here, but at school, I'm a little bit embarrassed. Understand this. As a follower of Jesus, you actually have the best world view of making sense of everything. And what you believe doesn't need to be defended as much as it needs to be released. And so we're going to release the lion. Come on, somebody. We're going to let the lion roar in January. So Guess your friends here. It's going to be amazing, and you be here. And listen, worship was so amazing today. You want to know why it was amazing? Because we had a baptism, and so we started a little bit late. Worship. What I'm saying is you guys were all here for worship. So you want worship to be amazing? Listen, 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 listen. Listen. Y'all listening? Be here on time every single week. Because there's power when the church worships the name of Jesus together. In case you didn't know, church starts at 10. Luke chapter 8, we're going to look at what is called, I think, perhaps the most famous exorcism in the Bible. All you church kids, your parents didn't let you watch scary movies, you're all right. Luke chapter 8, we got you. (laughs) This story is also found in Matthew chapter 8 and Mark chapter 5. We're going to go to Mark in a second to give us some more details. Um, Now, as much as this story is about a famous exorcism, a casting out of a demon, um, I'm not even going to so much focus on the idea of demons and and casting out. What I really want to look at in this story is what a life looks like with Jesus and without. And more than that, what and how people react when I'm with Jesus and when I'm not. Can we do that? So Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 27, Jesus has just got off the boat. He's crossed over the sea. It says, when Jesus stepped ashore, he met a man, demon-possessed, from the town. For a long time, someone shout long time. For a long time, this man had not worn clothes or lived in a house, but had lived in the tombs. So I want us to, we're going to focus on this man here for the first little bit of this message. So what we see in Luke chapter 8 is that this man was possessed, lived in the tombs, wore no clothes, had no house. Mark chapter 5 gives more details. It says in verse 4, it says, For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons off his feet. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills. This is what I want us to see. He would cry out and he would cut himself with stones. So we have this picture of this man, naked, kind of looks like he's got some like extended strength. And what we know is that he's possessed. There, there's literally demons inside of him. And I think that when we understand that part of the story, it's easy to then disconnect the fact that there is an actual man that is pictured in Luke chapter 8, Mark chapter 5. 
And the part I really want us to see is that the end, it says, he would cry out night and day, and he would cut himself with stones. And so the Bible is painting a picture of a man that above anything is in a tremendous amount of pain. He's hurting night and day, crying out among, uh, among the tombs. But the thing that I want us to see even more telling to me is that what is also given us in sparse details is how the people dealt with this man. It says for a while they put chains on him, trying to keep him calm, but eventually they just kind of let him do his thing. He lives in the tombs, and it says in Luke 8, it said for a long time, this man had, and when you read the Bible, man, little details, right, little details, for a long time, he lived among the tombs. And what's interesting, as I I read this story, what I think that the the gospel writers are trying to show us is that for as crazy and as wild as this picture is of this man, for the people that lived in the town, it was kind of just normal. That's just who he was. He's the guy that lives over there, naked, crying, shouting, cutting himself. That's just who he is. And as I read this story, although it kind of seems almost like it's set in a different world than ours, I couldn't help but notice the parallels when it comes to our culture and our society. Because I think we have this tendency as humans, and I want you to hear me, we have this tendency to make that which is not normal, that which is crazy, normal. Things that should catch our attention, things that should make us open our eyes, things that could really should make our jaws drop, things that are crazy. Oftentimes, we as humans have a tendency to normalize them. You want to know why? It's two things. Number one is time. The longer something is like something, whatever that something is, the longer that it is that way, the more normal it becomes. And so you want, I need us to understand this. Something can be so crazy, so outlandish, so wild. But over time, if it doesn't change, it just becomes normal. It just becomes normal. You've often heard people that are older than you say things like, well, if my my granddaddy saw what was happening now, they just couldn't believe it. They wouldn't believe it. But for us, it's just normal. Time has this way of doing that. The other thing is this, and it's what we see in this story is that I think all of us, whether we want to admit it or not, we live in a group mindset. And what that means is that the more people that say something is normal, the more normal it just becomes, no matter how crazy it is. Can I give you guys an example? Have you guys ever been to a sporting event where the wave broke out? (laughs) You guys know what the wave is? Now you need to understand something. If you are over the age of 12, you should not be doing the wave. No one, listen to me, no one needs to see your body in that full gyration. (laughs) But something wild happens at sporting events when 18,000 people decide to do the same thing. At the start, it's like four, five, ten rows. It's like, look at these weirdos. But then five minutes later, what's going on? Doing the whole thing. Why? Because when a whole bunch of people start doing something, that which is crazy just becomes normal. Are you guys following what I'm saying this morning? 
And so what we see in this story, I think Luke chapter 8, it parallels our culture so much. There is someone that is in pain, someone that is hurting, something that should cause a whole town and a whole city to pause, but instead it's just normal. And what I want to suggest today is that we live in a culture, listen to this, we live in a society where crazy has become normal. Now, there's a whole bunch of ways I could take this. I could talk about the social political climate. I could talk about cancel culture, so on and so forth. But what I really want to do is I want to hone in on, I think, the craziest part of our culture that is just normal. And it's simply this. People are hurting like never before. And it's just normal. So what I want to do is I want to share some statistics. And as I share these stats, uh, they probably won't jump out at the the page at you. Maybe they will, maybe not. But um, they're just averages on kind of how we live and what's normal in our culture. And then I want to kind of at the end go where at least I think that all of these statistics lead. So um, I'm going to start Uh, Just talking about guys for a second. Uh, There's a man by the name of Philip Zimbardo, and he did a long study. um, And eventually, at the end of his study, he wrote a book called The Demise of Guys. And what he did in this long study really just looked at young men and analyzed their behavior. And what he found in some of his statistics, I think, are crazy. Some of y'all like, welcome to my life. Um, This is what he says. The average male by the age of 21, will have played 10,000 hours of video games. Two-thirds of those hours will be alone. Now, the good news, if you ever read Malcolm Gladwell's Outliers, uh, he talks about how 10,000 hours is a great barometer for excellence, so you can crush video games. Um, <laughs> nevertheless, 10,000 hours by the age of 21. I thought the thing was crazy. Two-thirds alone by yourself. Next, the average male watches 50 porn clips per week. Clips. I I didn't get the hours. I don't know what that would equal out to. But again, I think for a lot of us, it's just like, yeah, that's just normal. And kind of the, the conclusion of his study, he said that the majority of young men are now living and dealing with what he calls arousal addiction. And what arousal addiction is, is basically these things, video games, porn, you can go on, uh, they cause our brains to be aroused. And we get more stuff in our lifetime now than some men would get a century ago would get in their whole lives. We get in a span of like four or five years when it comes to arousal. And so there's all these young men that are literally just living with these addictions and constantly needing their next fix. John Mark Comer talks about young men, and he says this. I thought it was so interesting. He said, young men are being taken out by the unholy trinity, porn, pot, and video games. And so once again, a generation of men uh, that this has just become normal. Now again, again, the study was called the demise of guys, but um, for all of these things, Females fit into there as well. That's just this specifically. So continuing, uh, let's go into technology. When it comes to TV, we on average watch 22 hours of TV per week. Uh, Now, interestingly enough, when it comes to television, uh, the older you were, actually, the higher your TV content went up. Um, Young people, not as much. You're like, yes, don't worry, you just trade it for your cell phone. Um, So our phones, on average... Uh, The majority of us will be on our phones for three hours and 15 minutes per day with over two hours a day on social media. Now, I know when some of us see those stats, it's like, I want to get down to 315. (laughs) (laughs) Um, 
Interestingly enough, this is for Prince and Kresia, the Philippines uh, actually has the highest content, uh, phone content out of any country in the world. I thought it was interesting. <laughs> Prince, where you are back there. <laughs> love y'all, Kresia, love you. <laughs> the more you know, right? Uh, so uh, that's, I think, technology, uh, Consumption is up. That's the whole point of these statistics. Um, moving forward, talking about sex, this is also interesting as well. Um, this one I thought was interesting. It said one in four people, uh, when it talked about sex, their parents never gave them the sex talk. And so what that means is that no one taught them about sexuality. Now, if you put the numbers in, technically that would mean 75% of people, their parents had talked to them about sex. But what we cannot really measure is like, was it a good conversation? And did they... <laughs> teach them anything valuable. Uh, from that, what we see now is that males on average lose their virginity at the age of 16, women at the age of 17. Once again, I think we can look at that number and say, man, that's pretty normal uh, until maybe you look back and realize like when you're 16, you're just a kid. Um, but that's just me. Now, even more than that, what's interesting um, is that males actually specifically are having less sex than ever. Uh, and reason being uh, pornography. And so they're really trading sex for porn um, and delaying adulthood in a sense is what a lot of people are saying. And so just kind of sharing some statistics and again, maybe they're wild, maybe you're like, I already knew this. But what I want us to see is that I think for our culture, our society, the beauty about averages is that averages give us a picture of that which is normal, right? You can look at these things and realize that people sitting around me probably fall into these statistics in one way or another. But here's where it all comes together, I think, and I believe our mental health and the pain that we feel. So right now, one in four people in the world suffer from some kind of mental disorder, which is more than cancer, diabetes, or heart disease. Next thing is this, though. In teenagers, that number isn't one in four. It's one in two. Meaning the younger people are right now, the worse their mental health is. And you can just look at studies when it comes to screen time and so on, just how it affects our brains. It's crazy stuff. $2.5 trillion per year are spent on healthcare specifically just pertaining to mental health. Right here it says 90 suicides every hour, which equals 2,200 people every single day, or about 800,000 people per year. 90% of suicides are related to mental disorders. Now, when I look at this, and we can look at the normal, and it's just normal. But I want us to understand a fractured life and a fractured mental health is never normal. Pain is not normal. You see, in the book of John, I was just thinking about this week. The Bible says that, and this is Jesus, he says, the enemy comes to seek, to kill, and to destroy. A lot of times, it's like, the devil just wants to get you into the club uh, the devil just wants you having sex, whatever, right? Like Christian talk, right? Like, stay out of there. But the end game of the devil is to kill you, right? We sing a song. It goes, if I'm not dead, God's not done, which is true. And so the devil wants you dead. And I think when I look at our culture and our society and the things that are normal, like the more we normalize it, the more it actually leads to death. And so I share this stuff not to scare us, not to really do anything other than to let us know that when crazy is the new normal, we can miss just how crazy things are. And I think our world is quite crazy. And I think in Luke chapter 8, what we see is a crazy 
story. But what I want to show us is that when Jesus rolls on the scene, everything, come on somebody, can change. So Jesus comes. It says, when the man saw Jesus, Luke 8, 28, he cried out and fell at his feet, shouting at the top of his voice, what do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you, don't torture me. For Jesus had commanded the impure spirit to come out of this man. I love this picture because you need to understand something. Darkness trembles in the presence of Jesus. It cannot stand in the presence of Jesus. And Jesus does in a moment, listen to this, what a whole town could not do in a long, long time. Now, I don't have time, but there's a really cool exchange because then Jesus talks to the guy. He's like, what's your name? And then the demons reply. They're like, we're legion. There's a lot of us. Crazy story. Read it tonight. But Jesus casts the demons out. And then again, it says, when the demons are gone, the people saw him, verse 35, and they went to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they found a man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at the feet of Jesus, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Now this verse has always stuck out to me because we see the pain, we see the hurt, we see the crazy, and then we see the healing. And when I read it, I think it should say, and the people praised God. And the people came to Jesus and they were amazed. And they couldn't believe what had happened. And the people felt none of that. This sticks out to me so much. He is sitting at the feet of Jesus, dressed and in his right mind. For the first time in a long time, he's in his right mind. And the people were afraid. And those who had seen it told the other people what had happened. And all the people from the region came and they asked Jesus to leave because they were overcome with fear. I want you to understand this is a prophetic picture that we see here in Scripture. Why? Because when crazy is normal, the normal is crazy. You, you can't miss this. This is the backbone of our entire series. When crazy is normal, that means that normal is crazy. Hear me when I say this. Outside of Jesus, when you are living outside of the way of Jesus, you crazy. You're wild. You're out of control. But when you are with him, when you are sitting at the feet of Jesus in your right mind, Healed better than you've ever been in your entire life. Listen to this. You will be seen as the crazy one. So I want to speak for a moment. Because really this message today is the backdrop for this entire series. I want to point us to the way of Jesus. And I want to show you how his way is the best way. But I want you to understand something. When you enter into his way, especially in the climate that we live in today, do not think that people will view you as in your right mind. Quite the opposite. When you come to Jesus, people will view you as the crazy one. So I want to spoke for a moment, a moment about the offense of Jesus. The offense of Jesus. Listen, when Jesus comes into your heart, into your life, you immediately become offensive. I'm believing in this next 
four weeks that there are going to be people here that literally have a mind switch, that have a heart change, that see Jesus clearer than they've ever seen him before. But you need to understand this. If you're coming to Jesus because you want to be popular, you're coming to the wrong dude. Because when, hear me, when crazy is normal, the normal is crazy. Like, Harrison, why is it like this? Well, pretty simple. You guys might have been here at Christmas. Anyone here for Christmas? I'll reiterate, but not try to bring the whole thing back. But there's a thing that happens when light comes into darkness. In a culture, in a world that is dark, when the light that is Jesus and the light that is reflected through you and I, when we come into the dark, it is offensive. It is offensive for people whose eyes are closed, whose hearts are closed when they see light. And so I want you to understand something. When you come to Jesus, don't expect everyone to get it. Can I be honest? The Lord changed my life when I was 19 years old. Called me into ministry at the age of 19. I look back now and I realize I was kind of young. And when the Lord called me into ministry, can I be honest? Not really many people got it. There was non-Christians and there was even Christians that thought I was crazy. Like, what are you doing? Like, I remember I had one friend, he's like, so does this mean, like, you can't have fun anymore? <laughs> right? He thought I was becoming a priest. <laughs> if you're here today, I'm not a priest. But biblically speaking, we're all priests. Different sermon. First Peter, check it out when you get home. But it's so funny because he's like, you can't, you can't have fun anymore? Because his picture of fun was blackout, drunk, drugs, sex, go on the list. And that's fun. And I'm crazy. You see, I, I do not want anyone to feel like I have misled you as I bring you to Jesus. The road is not always easy. It's not easy to be countercultural. It's not easy to think different. It's not easy to be different. You will literally scare people when you're in your right mind for the first time. But there's a song that sometimes I just need to remember that helps me when I feel like I just, I'm by myself. It's the old hymn, I've decided to follow Jesus. It says pretty simply, it says, though none go with me, still I will follow. So I'm not here to be popular. I'm not here to make anyone feel good. I'm here to follow Jesus. And if that makes me crazy, sign me up. Though none go with me, still I will follow. And if you're like, Harrison, no, that doesn't happen. I follow Jesus and everyone loves me. <laughs> Luke chapter 12, 51. This is Jesus, just in case you're like, who said this? Jesus says, do you think I came to bring peace on the earth? No, I tell you, but division. From now on, there'll be five in one family divided against another, three against two, two against three. They'll be divided, father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, daughter against mother, every, like literally everything, mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Like, keep going. Now, listen, Jesus is the prince of peace. Don't, don't misunderstand. But what he's saying in this, in this passage is that when you follow me, when you, when you come into my way, not everyone's going to get it. I want to encourage someone right now because you're like, man, my parents don't get it. My siblings don't get it. My kids don't get it. Or my parents, whatever it may be. <laughs> like literally, my mother-in-law doesn't get it. 
The way of Jesus isn't always the popular way. But what I want to show us and what I believe to be true is that it is the best way. It is the best way. And so understand this. As you follow Jesus, you will become offensive. Listen, in a culture that seeks to cancel, there's nothing more offensive than forgiveness. There's nothing more offensive than restoration. Listen, in in a culture where sex is God, there is nothing more offensive to say that there is a God who has actually given us boundaries on our sexuality. Nothing more offensive. It's not easy, easy, but it's so worth it. And what I really want us to do in this series is I want us to see how Jesus is never arbitrary. He does not call us to follow him and and lead us on a path simply because he says so. It is because everything he has for us will actually lead us to life and life abundant. And that's what I want us to see. His way is the most logical way. It is the most life-giving way. Every other way leads to death. It's as simple as that. Harrison, that sounds exclusive. Sorry, it is. It's Jesus' way or death. And I'm going to show us what that really means. And so, as I said, this is really, I'm teeing this series up. So you got to be here next week. I'm going to really get into it. But as we closed, I want just to, to look back at this man for a second. And this is for someone in pain. Someone that feels like I've been in my way for so long and I don't know what out looks like. Luke chapter 8, again, this is the part I, I really want us to see. It says, when they came to Jesus, they found the man from whom the demons had gone out, sitting at the feet of Jesus, dressed and in his right mind. Listen, forget the response. Forget the crowd. Forget the people. Forget everyone for a moment. Here's a picture. For some of us that have been going our way, and it's not leading to where you want it to go. It doesn't feel like it's it's leading to life. There's an invitation to come to the feet of Jesus and for the first time in your life, actually be in your right mind. Actually be clothed. I love this picture because I feel like it just speaks so powerfully to me and I know for so many of us in this room. For those of us that remember our before Jesus time, we were wild, we were crazy, we thought wrong. But in just a moment, In just one invitation, Jesus says, hey, come sit at my feet. Come learn my way. In Matthew, he says, come follow me. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. And so his way is the way of life. And his way, I believe, for someone today that's been in pain. Listen, maybe your story is like the story where literally, like Harrison, I have been cut in. I have tried to end it before. Hear my words in just a moment. Jesus can change everything. Jesus can take that which was hopeless, that which looked like it was the end, and bring new life. And so that's the invitation I want us to make today. I want us to literally have the mind of Christ. And some of us are saying, well, Harrison, like, I get the invitation. But, like, why doesn't Jesus just make it clearer? Like, I want it even more it's pretty simple because maybe you're saying, Harrison, like, I, just, I, need, I need a little more from Jesus, a little more. I want you to understand something. Jesus is a gentleman. Look what it says. It says the people of the region asked Jesus to leave because they were afraid. What does he do? He got into the boat and he left. So for some of us, I know it's like, Harrison, I've heard the appeal. I've been here for three years. 
but I know there are people that leave here every single Sunday afternoon and they ask Jesus to leave. And hear me, he will leave. He will not drag you by the heels. But when we, on our own volition, decide to come to the feet of Jesus, everything changes. As we draw near to him, the Bible says, he draws near to us. And so I want to make this appeal in a moment for those that feel like they're far from Jesus to come back and sit at his feet. But I want your hearts to be stirred even more than just a day, even more than just a moment. So I want to give you two invitations. Number one, be here for this series, the whole month of January, on time. Come on, somebody. But my second invitation is this. You don't have to wait until next Sunday to be together again because tomorrow morning we're beginning 21 days of prayer. And so, listen to me, 6.30 a.m. in this place, we're going to come here and pray. And for those of you guys that were here in September as we did this for the very first time, I want you to understand what we did in September made a difference. Lives have been restored because of the prayers that were prayed in the month of September. And so we're believing in January there's going to be some prayers that the Lord is going to answer. And I also believe there's some hearts that he wants to restore. And so I want to invite you tomorrow morning and all week to come for 21 days of prayer because it's going to be, I think, life-changing. Let's look at the man again. Jesus is about to leave. The man from whom the demon had gone out begged to go with him because when you experience Jesus, you don't want to leave him. Like you want to be in that presence like at 6.30 a.m. Jesus sent him away, though. He says, return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over the town how much Jesus had done for him. So listen to me today. If you've experienced the feet of Jesus, you've experienced that life change, that heart transformation, I got a job for you this week. Go to the whole town. Go to your school. Go to your workplace. Go to your family and tell what Jesus has done for you. And say, you want to experience that? Come to church with me next Sunday and watch how everything can change in just a moment. So let's just stand for a second, church. Because I want to lean into this for a second. If you're here today, let's just just bow our heads, let's just close our eyes. If you're here today and you're saying, Harrison, man, I've been I've been doing my own thing, my own way, thinking my way, I've been crazy. But I just want Jesus. I don't want to live with this pain anymore. I don't want to live with this anguish. I just want Jesus. If that's you this morning, every head is bowed. This is just between you and the Lord. Could you just show me your hand? Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, we just thank you that we can come to you, God. We just thank you that there's an invitation that is open to come and sit at your feet. And so, Lord, I just pray right now for every single hand in this place, every single heart. God, you know the journey. It might be lonely. It might be filled with rejection, with hardships. But, God, your way is truly the way to life. You are the way. You are the truth. You are the life. And so I just pray today, God, for every hand that was raised and every heart that was stirred. God, as they invite you in, that you would just come close to them. Lord, I just pray over these next three weeks, God, that you do a work in this place. I pray that our lives are changed and our minds are transformed. We love you, Jesus.
We pray in your mighty, holy, awesome name. Amen. Amen. Come on, can we clap our hands for Jesus? Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to that message. If you made a decision to follow Jesus or you want more information about our church, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. We would love to get in contact with you. Until next time, take care.